Hi, I'm Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. My name is Mark Rennick. Good Saturday afternoon to you, Treasure Valley. I hope you're having a beautiful Saturday afternoon this fall, Saturday afternoon. Systemic Change of Idaho sponsors Victory Over Sin. This is the part of the show where I actually get a chance to tell you exactly what's going on with Victory Over Sin and Systemic Change of Idaho. It is a funded program through the Southwest Council for St. Vincent de Paul here in southern Idaho. And what Systemic Change of Idaho is is an advocacy arm for them. Uh, This is actually an outgrowth of a particular conference within St. Vincent de Paul that was called the Reentry Conference. And in that Reentry Conference, we see people who are coming out of incarceration. We like to call those guys returning citizens. And we've been going for about four and a half years in which somebody gets out of prison and they call the St. Vincent de Paul number and they ask to, uh, for some support with rent, bus passes, et cetera. And then we go out and visit with them. That's called the reentry conference. Uh, we've been doing it for about four and a half years. And so to give you some indication of that, I think in the calendar year last year, over 1,000 people paroled to Region, uh, four, region 4 of uh, the Department of Corrections, and this little group saw 561 of those people. So people went out to them, visited with them, sat with them, helped them with their rent, et cetera, et cetera. And it got some national attention. And when it got national attention, uh, we were visited by the national group for reentry from St. Vincent de Paul. And from conversations going forth, that became Systemic Change of Idaho. And they said, basically, what do you want to do with this money? And we said, hey, I think what we need to do is to educate Idahoans on what it's like to be on parole. And what we've been doing for about almost the last year now, we put together a really nice PowerPoint and a professional presentation. And what we've been doing is training people who are returning citizens and who have been out. Some of them are successful. Some of them are struggling. But we've given them the training and the support to go out and start sharing this message. Also, we've also been in contact, you know, in terms of the past couple shows with my national director. She's been out here visiting, and those things continue actually to expand this and to go forward. So we're really looking forward to that, those kinds of things. If you want to get involved, again, at the end of the show, I'll let you know how we'll get together. Those are the exciting things that are happening. We've got a guest, and very excited to have a friend of mine and guest in here today, and it's going to be a good show. Hang on, and we'll be right back. The United States has the highest percentage of its population in prison in the world. That's one in 200 Americans are currently serving time in a federal or local prison. As of May 2017, Idaho has 8,223 men and women incarcerated and another 17,201 on probation and parole. So upon release from prison, who works with these individuals and families to help them transition back into our community? This is done by what we call Returning Citizens Resources and coffee shop. We offer them a cup of coffee and some resources and information to help get them on solid footing with their faith, their recovery, and to begin their new life as our neighbor. It's designed for the offender's first stop from the institution. If you'd like to help us help them, please contact Mark Rennick at 629-8861. That's area code 208-629-8861. And if you're out in the desert needing any help for your transition, We pay for that call. 
Welcome back. Uh, I'm I'm so happy today because uh, you know I get lucky. I get to pick the guests that come on the show, and uh, I've got a friend of mine who was incarcerated with me. As many people know that listen to the show on an ongoing basis, uh, I've been out for about six years, but I did seven years in prison, and I got my friend Mark Cheney out here, and Cheney's here. Mr. Cheney, welcome to Victory Over Sins. This is so cool. <laughs> Good afternoon, Mark. How you doing? Did you ever think we we're sitting there in prison that we'd say, oh, "We'll get out of here and we'll be on the radio together"? Did you ever think that would happen? No, no, <laughs> negative. No, not at all. <laughs> You've been out for how long, sir? Uh, you see, as, as of the 19th, two months. Two months. Two whole months. Two whole months. And how much did you, how much time did you do? 12 years. 12 Eleven years. and a half. Eleven and a half. 12 years, yeah. That's a, that's a grip of time. People listening to us on the radio are going, how in the world that, that, that you can, uh, and I, it sparks all sorts of questions, but let's just start with first thing you did, kind of, did you have some kind of design? I'm going to do this the first thing after 12 and a half years. Um, the first thing that I wanted to do was just to get out and look at things, really? you know, let's see the public, uh, drive around a little bit. Um, Any my, particular food you wanted to eat or anything like that? Because um, there's certainly no pork products in, uh, you know. You know, I, like I really didn't care because anything after prison food is is, is high tech. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to have you back. Thanks. And you chose to go up into the hills and live up in uh, what the Featherville area? Featherville. Yeah. So that was totally different too. Yeah, yeah I, I got a chance to get up into the woods and. I mean, I wake up every morning and watch the deer just walk across my my area. Absolutely. You know, just Fantastic. look right outside the trailer house, and right there's the deer. And it's it's so amazing. We were talking before we went on the air about, you know, this will be his first winter up there. So we'll see whether the city – I always consider you a city boy, and maybe you aren't a city boy. But uh, are you a city boy? Were, were, you, were you born in Idaho? And- I was born and raised in Boise mm-hmm. right here. I lived in Seattle for five years. Moved back because my dad was ill, so mm-hmm. I came back, um, and uh, I've been in Idaho ever since. Um, I used to love city life, mm-hmm. um, but at my time in prison, you know, you you listen to eighty to a hundred guys yelling all night long, you know, gabbing, talking constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just nice to have a little peace and quiet out in the woods. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to let you have that for a while, but I think your heart's a city, so I'll, I'll press on with that. But we've we've already talked about that before yes. the show goes on. I'm, I'll stay after him. You and I were a part of something that um, I have a nonprofit called IMSI Hope Community Phase 2. You and I were a part of a very special event, I think, uh, which we called Hope Community, where we were at Max together. Right. Tell me your thoughts on that. Did that have an impact on your life, et cetera, or? Um, had a great impact on me after I left ICC. I was going to say, that's, you know, that's a story that I don't think has been told on the radio before. So we, might, we, could, tra- we could tell that. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting story. I mean, because you and I used to be on the same tier at ICC. And Which they now call ISCC. Now, now they call it ISCC, correct. Mm-hmm. Um, something happened to you. I don't want to discuss that because that's well. No, let's be honest. I was I was accused of something that I didn't do, but uh, I was found guilty of, and I got sent to IMSI, Maximum Security Institution. So right. So it was it ended up being a blessing for me? Uh, yeah, and actually, um, I think it was what a month after you were gone, a month or two after you were gone. Right. Uh, I get this uh, page 
in my cell that says, okay, Mark, roll it up, get ready to leave tomorrow. Where am I going? Well, of course, they don't tell you because that's a a security issue. I get that. So I get up in the morning, and I'm standing, standing in intake, getting ready to move, not sure where I'm going. And then um, one of the sergeants that I knew at ISCC came to me and says, what are you doing here? And where are you going? I says, I have no idea. So he looks it up on the paperwork. He says, well, you're going to Max. I said, Max? Why am I going to Max? And uh, he says, well, you're going to be part of a, uh, what did they call that? A therapeutic community. A thera- but they didn't call it a therapeutic yeah. community at that time. Uh, he, he said that you're going to be part of a, a group over there that's going to help make some changes of some kind. That's the story I got from this guy. So I'm freaking out the whole time. Because you had work. a good job, too, at ICC. I did. Yeah. I had a great job. I had uh, Mr. Ward there, and I worked in the bike shop, which was a great job. Yeah. Um we built bikes for Idaho Youth Ranch. They're now doing it. Boise Bicycle Project is out there now. They're building a whole new complex out there. It was just out there this week. They're building a building where Idaho, the Boise Bicycle Project nonprofit here in town. Oh, nice. Is doing it. Yeah, so they're, they're, it's a huge problem. Yeah. So here I am. So I get shipped to um, maximum security, and they send us to – and, of course, they always send you to medical first. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting in this cell – and we're there six hours. That's after you got to Max, too. That's after I got to Max, yeah. yeah. I also just point out here before, as you tell the story, you're doing a good job, but when I was in G-Pod with these guys, we would sit and talk, right? Right. Okay, and so the four of us were friends, and I considered us friends. And so I was in this great new program that was going to be happening, and the deputy warden, which ironically became a pretty good friend of yours later on in your, your life at incarceration said, Hey, who do you know what we could get to the program? I said, well, Hey, I got these three guys. And little did I know that they, he just went back over and moved you over. I mean, I thought he was going to come talk to you. Oh no, they just, they just yanked me over there. <laughs> so, so that's pretty interesting. And then, and then, um, Lo and behold, we're sitting in this cell in medical for at about— Ma- At max. At because max. Been, so at max, if you're not aware of this uh, general public, when something goes wrong in an institution, everything shuts down. And so at max, it is more prevalent because a lot more things happen, and they just shut the whole thing down. And now they usually handle it very quickly, but then they've got to write up all the paperwork. And so you have a tendency to be sitting in one spot while that whole process happens for— Conceivably, several hours. Right. So we were forgotten for several hours. <laughs> you know, we're sitting there going, "Man, what have we? What's going on? And how did we get in this position?" And and uh, one of the CEOs came walking by and says, "You guys are still here." Well, yeah, we haven't had lunch either. <laughs> so it was a long day to to say the least. And she says, "Oh, well, we'll get you over there right now." And by the way, there's somebody over there that's waiting for you. <laughs> that's Mark Rennick. <laughs> And we all look at each other and go, oh, this is Mark's doing. Yeah, so right. we ended up over there in, in Hope Community. And um, Hope Community was probably one of the best things that had happened. The three of you weren't real happy with me when I saw you coming around the corner, as I recall. I was standing there with Officer Hammer and, oh, these are my friends. And, and you didn't, you guys weren't real happy with me, I don't think. I think we pointed our fingers at you and says, <laughs> you. Yeah, Mark Rennick, this is your fault. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
lo and behold, we, we find out that we're uh, part of this community that is a faith-based community, and uh, we get to share um, this little area. I mean, it's like a real small... G-Block at the only house, six, 36 people. 36 and, people at and, the time. And uh, it was an independent, it's a freestanding building adjacent to Max. It was actually a part of the um, yard at one point in time. E, F, and G were a part of the yard at one point in time. But in 1987, when they kind of severed stuff off, those three buildings went to Max. And so that's where we were in G-Block outside. Yeah, so we were we were outside. And the really neat thing is, is that we were out there, we got grass, mm-hmm. Uh, we got freedom to go to the ball field, right. um, dog program. We did the dog program. Did the dog program together. We did all the suicide watch. Suicide watch. Mm-hmm. However, suicide watch back then was all volunteer. Yeah, it was all volunteer. It was all volunteer time. So, um, but it was a great experience. Yeah. Um, and just and just being with a lot of a lot of other Christians, mm-hmm. um, it was it was interesting. Well, and some of us paint. Uh, some people, myself included, sometimes will paint it. It sounds like the way I talk about it. It's like, boy, this is the greatest thing in the world, and it wasn't the greatest thing in the world. It was very difficult. Um, we had, I, I estimate that probably in that 36-bed unit, well, as I was there uh, for basically the bulk of it with a few months off, but um, I estimated over 250 people went through that. And so when you needed to live your Christianity, supposedly, 24-7, that's not easy for people. So, And we got the reputation, if you will, that if you went to that program, man, you got out. And so everybody and their brother wanted in. Yeah. And so a lot of people tried to get in, and then when they get there, they'd say, I can't do this because you got to live this 24-7. Yeah, basically. you got to live this Christian lifestyle, and a lot of guys couldn't handle living that Christian lifestyle. Exactly, exactly. Um, and we had a lot of diversity we did. We had tremendous <laughs> a lot of diversity in this place. Uh, there was many faiths within this one group, and uh, there was controversy. There was through this, but okay. yeah, it was cool. It also taught. I think it taught you and me ways to communicate with other faiths. Yep, I do. I do. In the right way, ta- I think it taught you and I ways to communicate better, too, because you and I got to be good friends there, and uh, I ended up being the librarian, and then you came in and took my place as I paroled. And I can remember that was, uh, I can remember almost the day I left, a lot of things about the day I left, but one of the things was stopping by the library and saying goodbye to you. Yeah. And that that security wouldn't really even want me to do it, but we I made him stop, and we stopped and went in and said hi. And that was a real hard time, hard thing for me to go because, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think he wanted me to go, and I was scared of going. It was all sorts of stuff. Cause, yeah, there was a lot of emotions yeah, that day. Yeah, there was a lot of emotions that day. So that was kind of cool. So I took over that job as a librarian, and I ended up staying there for four years? Conceivably, I think so. I yeah. think it was about four years. Um and by this time, Hope Community had faded away, but the remnants stood, kind of, I guess you would say. There's still some remnants. Um, I mean, there are a few people there that are um, still there. They're still there. That, I mean, it's not called the Hope Community anymore, but it's, mm-hmm. um, what do they call it, Step Down? The Step Down Program. It's a Step Down Program now. But that's more of a step down from kind of a making a some kind of a violent break where you step down into two-person cells from solitary and they're still having, they have a lot of problems back at Max. And I, part of the reason, Mark, I named the, the organization 
that what I did was because I wanted the state to remember what they did with us because that lasted for about three years and they should do it again. I mean, it was, we were the only faith-based program in a maximum security institution at the time and it hasn't been done tremendously in other places, but they do all sorts of things else. So I, I keep reminding um, the Idaho Department of Corrections that they did it, they should do it again. And that's why I named the agency IMSI, Hope Community Faith. Well, and to me, that was help helped me in a direction that I never thought that I was going to go exactly i mean that 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 faith based community actually led me down a path that where i'm right not right now that Jesus Christ is the center of my life exactly and I'm not sure where I'd be if I hadn't have had it had the opportunity to go to I don't maximum security. Absolutely. You know. And and the the surprising thing about it was is I one of the first things I did when I got out was to I went to graduate school, but I started reaching out to the people who were volunteers there. And without exception I got to everybody. And I know where everybody is that was a volunteer and I keep in contact with them and some of them I moved out of state. Uh, but by and large, I went up to them and just thanked them. I didn't do anything other than say thank you. And all those people, in some way or shape or form, are still involved in some kind of prison ministry. So it's it's pretty remarkable, actually. I try to keep track of as many of the people like you and I who are there, but I also keep track of the people who volunteered out there. Right. So it's it's really powerful. And it had an impact on my life, obviously, too. Yeah, it had a huge impact on yeah. my life. So it was kind of cool. That's And I'm, that's one of the reasons why I'm so glad there's like one more person left we got to get out of here. And, and I, I think he goes before the board in 2018, and we'll have everybody out that uh, was a part of our little group. I guess there's a few stragglers still there, that characters that are still there. But. Characters that are yes, still, still there. there. <laughs> so, there's, uh, so slowly but surely, I mean, these people started getting out. Um, but the one of the problems that I saw was that they said, if you take this program, it's a— automatic step out yeah. well it wasn't it didn't work like that you know i mean there were still hoops she had to go through and which i get you know and i kind of understand but uh it it makes it tough on family oh absolutely you know and it makes it tough on the person that's on his way out well know? that's i think one of the things that you don't know as much of yet but you will is uh, that's what we're really trying to do with systemic change of idaho is the impact that the indeterminate sentencing as well as the changing rules, changing programs within the Department of Corrections, what kind of effect that actually has on families emotionally is, is unbelievable, much less the fact that you stay over on some vague or nebulous kind of aspect of um, behavior that allows you to stay past your fix. And um, hopefully if you want to go back to the archives, you can go back and see Sandy Jones was on the show last week and you'll hear what she talked about in terms of as she addressed that. But that's a huge issue that everybody in Idaho needs to become involved with. And again, you're listening to my voice today and this touches your heart and you need to reach out and let us know what's going on or start following what we're doing because it is our mission to take these issues to bring them out into Idahoans and let them know what it's about. Because too often it's like, you know, you'll sit in your church or you're wherever you work and it's like, oh, Uncle Ed was this guy that did this. And we need to talk about Uncle Ed and all those kinds of things because it affects you, Mr. Taxpayer. I think that's something that else needs to be brought up is, I mean, for me, and it's, I'm not the only one, but for me, I was almost seven years past my fixed time. Exactly. And if a lot of people don't understand what your fixed time is, that's, that's the deadline that you should have all your programming done. And you should be on your way out. Well, seven more years later, almost seven more years later, 
I'm and and we are only we are one state of ten only in the nation that has this indeterminate sentencing structure to where uh, five people who are appointed by the governor decide whether Mark gets out of prison at that date or doesn't decide. Five people determine whether or not I get out at that date or not. And can they tell you what exactly that is? No, they'll tell you it's a behavior that they can see. And that's that makes it difficult, and it makes it expensive for taxpayers. Do they hit things right? Yeah, sometimes. Are they wrong? Sometimes, yeah. But by their own definition, the directors have told you, as well as you, I'm sorry to say this to you, Idaho, 97% of the people who live out there in the desert will get out. So let's start working with those people about being them, making the most productive citizens we can make them be. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. So you bought yourself a new car? I did. Yeah. I did. I bought myself a, a Ford Freestyle. Yeah. And uh, it's been a great little car. Um, on, on Mondays, I get up every Monday morning at, at 4 o'clock, uh, drive almost two hours to Boise to get to my class at 8 o'clock that I have to do. Mm. Um, but it's been a really great, dependable car. Yeah. It's been amazing. Well, it'll be great to see all the transition as you kind of grow, learn, and kind of go forward and all this stuff. But I, it's, um, I think what I would say to you in terms of what I say to anybody is that make sure that you just kind of pace yourself. I think you're uh, much more stable than most of the people that we deal with. But it is really a process as you learn and you grow and you go forward. That, but you've kind of got that. Well, it is a process. And, and uh, when I first got out and, and had to go talk to my parole officer – it was like, okay, you got to do this, 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 this. And the list goes on and on. And it's like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to be able to handle this? Absolutely. Well, prayer and a great mentor. Yeah. You know? that, that's true. And then, again, uh, we've talked about the mentors on the show before. Free to Succeed is the program that this, the Idaho Department of Corrections has. Jeff Kirkman, who's been on the show and talked about that just a few weeks ago. Those are the things that you can get involved with. Uh, if that's something that's interesting to you, you can easily go to the IDOC's website, but we'll direct you that way also, too. As you can tell, if you're out there and this is something that's touching at your heart in some way, shape, or form, we can certainly use your involvement. Um, well, and that Free to Succeed program has been, that's been another one of those amazing steps that I've been able to, you know, talk with my mentor and, you know, just help me in the process as I'm getting out. And the really cool thing is, is that I live right next door to my mentor. Yep, that's true. Yeah. Well, and again, again, sometimes you get an idea and uh, Jeff Kirkman's only job is to make that program work. And so we support him for that. And, and uh, it's actually really positive okay anything else that's new and exciting for you in terms of your life new and exciting because you go let's address um obviously everything changed but speak a little bit about the christian that you were inside and maybe the christian that you are now in terms of uh, behavior well because we're on a christian radio station yeah so let's talk about me when i first got in and i was a christian and i was a christian when i first went into prison but I was a Christian that was still lost. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still angry at the system. I was angry at everybody. It's everybody else's fault. And uh, about halfway through my sentence, I came to a position where I uh, finally realized that, you know what? It's not everybody else's fault. Yeah, right. It's my fault. I put myself in the position that I was in, um, and I can't blame anybody but myself. But where what 
really helped me through that is when I came to that realization, it it helped me to grow closer to Christ in my life. I mean, that's a cool. That yeah, it was it was a major stepping stone in my life at that point to realize that, oh my gosh. This is a real. Yeah, this yeah. is a real thing. God does some interesting things to people like you and me to kind of get our attention. Huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's been a few, a few interesting things that happens Mark, in thank prison. You, thank you so much for coming today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay, again, I want to thank Mark Cheney for coming in. Cheney's my buddy, and it's so nice to have him out here. Part of what we do, it's so nice to be able to see people walk back out and then hopefully help folks as we go forward. Uh, what I we talked about earlier in the show, if you want to reach out and touch us, get involved in any way, shape, or form, I'll send you a prospectus on being a speaker, etc. You can go to www.systemicchangeofid.com. There's an email there at systemicchangeofidaho, all spelled out at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Systemic Change of ID. We're on Instagram, Systemic Change of ID. You can even call us on the phone, area code 408-477-1006. We look forward to seeing you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin. Thank you so much.